Hello, thank you for listening to this sermon from our Revive service. We hope it helps you learn more about God and allow you to grow closer to Him and in your faith. If you would, take your Bibles and turn with me to the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4, we're going to look at the first six verses this morning. Ephesians 4 verses 1 through 6, this morning our time together is titled, Stay the Course. Stay the Course. Um, Next week we will begin a new series. Um, Let me encourage you, I know next Sunday is July 4th, maybe you have plans with family and friends, that's great, enjoy that. Um, Maybe maybe you can tell them and delay that until the afternoon and join us uh, in the morning as we worship the Lord. Uh, But we'll start a new series next week uh, entitled, Teach Me to Pray. And the Gospel of Luke, uh, Luke records for us when uh, when the disciples are, they overhear Jesus praying, and as they hear him pray, they say to Jesus, teach us to pray. And then he shares with them the Lord's Prayer. So we have that in, in Luke, Luke 11, but also in Matthew 6. And so that'll be the start of our new series next week uh, that we're going to start um, and I look forward to walking through that with you. This morning, though, we're going to talk about staying the course. And, uh, you know, it, it's hard to stay the course. It's hard to keep going. I don't know about you, but sometimes I want to give up. Uh, sometimes I don't feel like doing things. Uh, Lisa and I, this week, we had the great privilege of, of having our kids all gone. We love our kids. Don't get me wrong. We love our kids. I miss them. By the end of the week, I was ready for them. Not that I was tired of Lisa, but I was just missing my kids and uh, love them and got a little taste of that empty, empty nest. Um, but it was, it was great. And so we, uh, um, Zach was at camp at Skyview and the girls were at Project Shine and it was awesome. So Lisa was here working till roughly about seven each evening, uh, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then I had a track clinic that I was doing over at Firestone and I was done at seven each night too. I come home and she would say, Hey, what do you want to do for dinner? And we pull out our, all our gift cards and we went and used them. It was wonderful, wonderful on two accounts. One great time just for us to be together. Uh, second, one gift card goes a long way when there's only two people versus five people. It's amazing. And, uh, but we had a great time. The problem was, though, we had some plans in order to do. Like, there were things that I needed to do. I have some flowers that are still sitting in my front bed that need to be planted. I got from my dad on Father's Day, and they have not been planted. I watered them so that they would stay alive, but they need to go in the ground. Um, There are many other things that needed to be done. Zach's shaking his head because Zach's, one of his jobs is to mow the grass. And so he said, Dad, you're going to have to mow the grass while I'm gone. Well, the grass didn't get mowed, so he's like, oh, yeah, Dad. Yeah, like he really did a lot. I share all that because we all know that there's times in our life where it's hard to do stuff, right? It's, it's hard to stay motivated. It's hard to stay up with things. And, uh, and you feel like sometimes as you're going through things, whether it's something big or something minute and small, to stay the course, to finish it out. And so I think as we look at our lives there are times and there's moments that that is really a challenge. And so I share this morning um, as someone who walks through life just like you and knowing that sometimes it's a challenge 
and sometimes it's hard. Yesterday, I had the privilege of running a race for somebody. A friend of mine uh, is on vacation. He signed up for this 8K uh, downtown Akron um, last year, and then with COVID, they canceled it, and so they moved everybody's registration to this year. And so when he found out that it was going to be on this same weekend, um, he said, hey, Aaron, would you like to run for me? I'm going to be out west. And I said, well, not really, but... If you can't find anybody else, um, just let me know. So two weeks ago, he sent me an email with all the information, and he said, hey, good luck. Hope you have fun. I'm like, well, I guess you didn't find anybody else. He said, no, I want you to run it. And, uh, and so that began an intense 10-day stretch where I began to train for a five-mile race. Uh, needless to say, my goal yesterday was to come out alive on the other side, um, because I had some things I needed to do the rest of the day and be mobile and flex flexible and moving around. Um, and my other goal was just to have fun. And yet, through the middle of that race, it became a challenge. And, uh, you know, the heat came out, the sun came out behind the clouds. And some of you know exactly. I know that I think, Rick, you said that you were at an outdoor wedding. And, uh, you know, the, the Fumies had graduation party for Hannah yesterday. So a lot of you were outside. Um, Carlton and Cheryl and their daughter were out pulling weeds in our flower garden out here. Thank you. Thank you for doing that. Uh, it was warm. And so you feel you get to that point where it's like, okay, why am I doing this? I'm asking myself at mile two and a half. I know exactly where it was because the wind was coming like a wind tunnel going right by Canal Park. And I'm asking myself, why am I doing this? What's hard is when a kid about this size runs right past you and you're like, okay, I'm no longer a kid. For you in your walk with Jesus, you ever ask yourself, why am I doing this? Why do I go to church? Why am I opening my Bible? Why am I needing to spend time in prayer? Why do I go out on date nights? Why do I do this? I'm sure you do. Sometimes very aware and conscious. Other times it may just be a fleeting moment and, and, a, and something that goes by quickly. The truth is we struggle with staying the course. And we get distracted very easily. And so I want to remind us and, and just to offer some encouragement this morning as we look at the word of God. And Paul shares with us here a section from Ephesians 4, the first six verses. He, he has a reminder to the church in Ephesus, for the believers in Ephesus, to keep going on, to not stop. So that means that they've already started. And I look around here, and so many of you, I know you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus. And so many of you have been walking with Jesus, whether it's been five years or ten years, or some of you, you're well-seasoned, let me say. That's good. But let me encourage you, stay the course, because it's not over yet. Would you pray with me before we dig in? Lord, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to open up your word and we ask that your spirit would speak to us this morning. Help us to see that we can stay the course, not on our own ability, not even on our own willpower, but Lord, with your help and with your strength. 
And so, Lord, help us to be receptive, to listen to you. Tear down the walls of pride, of arrogance, of bitterness, of anger, of resentfulness. The things that would prohibit us from hearing from your word and the truth this morning. And Lord, as I've prayed so often through these years of, of being able to preach and the privilege of preaching here, Lord, I pray that when we leave here in just a few short minutes, that our lives would be changed and different because we've had a real encounter with the true and living God. So come meet with us, Lord. Challenge our hearts and our minds. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, Paul says, I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. When Paul starts this section out, he says, I therefore. Whenever you're reading the Bible, let me encourage you that you see this word therefore. You need to ask yourself this question. What is it therefore? Therefore is a hinge. It means it's like one of those doors that you can walk in and push from both ways. There's something on the other side that speaks to what is going to be spoken. So the reason why Paul is going to say what he says is because of what he said before. Hope that's not too confusing. Mainly what he's saying in verse I, therefore, verse 1, is what he references back to in verses 20 and 21. I won't go back to verse 14, but I think it references even to that point. But let's look at verses 20 and 21. If Paul's going to say this, what did he say before that? Let's look at it. Verse 20 of chapter 3 of Ephesians. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. Who is he talking about? Now to him. God, right? All right, he's talking about God. Now to him who is able, now to God who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think, according to the power at work within us. It's a reference earlier to verse 16 in the spirit, in the inner being. So God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. Verse 21, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So here is now the Son. So the reference to God the Father, God the Holy Spirit, and God the Son. The whole Trinity is involved. And what does Paul say? Hey, listen, God is living inside of you, and he can do anything and almost anything you cannot even begin to imagine. He is able to do far more abundantly all that we ask or even think. According to what? The power that is in us. And so that is a reference to what he is going to now say in verses 1 through 6. So there is power that is in us. Those who are followers of Jesus, there is power within us. So Paul is saying, I therefore, because of the power that is in me, He's going to say this, I urge you to walk. 
I urge you to walk. Now, what we see here is this word walk. There is action that is needed. So I ask, what action is needed? When we think about staying the course in our lives of being faithful to the calling that God has given us, we need to walk. So what action is God calling you to do? Yesterday, I ran. Thankfully, one of my goals was not to walk, and I didn't do it. I was so thankful that the Lord gave me that strength. Paul says here to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. There's an action that action verb is a call for you and I that we would take the actions needed. Because of the power that lives in us, there's action needed according to the call that he gives us, which we're going to look at in a minute. So what action is needed in your life? And let me encourage you. I think there's a fallacy that is that has crept into the church where we'll use verses that, like in the Psalms, where it says, wait upon the Lord. I wait on the Lord, which is great. We wait upon the Lord. But actually, if you look at the Hebrew term of waiting, that is a term of action. It isn't just sitting down and not doing anything. And so for far too long, when we ask God to work through us and in us, a lot of times we'll get this misconception or this idea that, okay, I just need to sit and I just need to wait for God to work. No, actually, the Bible tells us that there is action that already we need to be doing that God has already told us that need to be done. So as you're waiting on the Lord, what can you be doing? You can be reading your Bible. You can be praying. You could be fellowshipping. You can be worshiping. You can, you can enjoy serving. There's always action that needs to be done. And so because of the power that's in us, we're able to take that action. And so the action may not be walking, as we would say. Maybe it's sprinting. Maybe it's out for a light jog. There's different seasons in our life, and we're going to look at that in just a moment. But there is action as we look about staying the course. We have to stay active. So I, therefore, because of what is in me, the power that's in me, I urge you to walk. Now, we missed something here. And we can't miss it because it's something that, that is really quite critical because a lot of times we'll just jump into that. Okay, what do I need to do? How do I need to do it? And let's go. Anybody like that? I, I don't want to run around. I don't, you don't need to describe everything. Just tell me what to do and I'm, I'll go do it. Well, Paul says here, I therefore a prisoner for Jesus. What Paul helps us to understand is it's not just the doing. So many of us want to do the action. We want to do the outward. But Paul actually begins with the inward. And we saw that in verses 20 and 21 where the inward, the power that lives inside of us. He says, I am a prisoner for Jesus Christ. And so I ask you, what is your situation? The situation that you're in, how do you view it? Paul didn't view his situation and, and the externals of his life as ones to, to control him. And then actually, he, he was focused on the inside and what was going on in his inside, in his heart, and in his mind of how he viewed himself. He was not a martyr. He chose this. Because God chose him, he said, listen, I am a prisoner for Jesus 
Christ. And so when you think about your insides, they must come first before you do the outward. I, therefore, a prisoner for Jesus Christ, urge you to walk. How do we walk? We walk in a manner worthy. Worthy. So this begs the question of worthiness. We get worship from worth. And we feel that God is worthy of our worship, worthy of our praise, worthy of our adoration. That's what worship is. It is a look at God and saying, you are worth my time, my energy, my effort, and all that I have to say, it should be on you. Paul is saying, your walk, where is worship found? Uh, if you're like me, a lot of times the walk that I live is centered around me, myself, and I. That's a struggle that we all have. A struggle around self. Maybe it's around serving others. Maybe it's focus on the Lord. Paul helps us to see that his life is worshiping. His walk is in worship of his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ whom he is a prisoner. So as we live life and we desire to stay the course, let me challenge you. There are times where we, we walk and we do things for a purpose to serve somebody else, but we can't stay long-term in the walk if it's not the Lord. He must be our motivation. He must be the one that we worship we have to keep our eyes focused on him. So I, therefore, a prisoner for Jesus Christ, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. I don't want to spiritualize the text. I mean, I don't want to pull out of the context of what he's saying. Ultimately, the calling that Paul is referencing here is a call to follow Jesus, which I believe and I hope that each of you have claimed and you say, yes, you would say today, you would declare, I am a follower of Jesus because you claim Jesus as your Savior. You believe that Jesus Christ came and lived on this earth a perfect and sinless life. You believe that Jesus died upon the cross, dying for you, covering all and wiping out all of your sin, taking it away, taking the penalty that you deserved. And he was buried and three days later he rose from the dead and he conquered sin and death. Claiming Jesus as Savior and Lord, you are followers of Jesus. And in so doing, this calling that Paul is talking about is being a follower of his. I'd like to encourage you, what does that calling look like in your life? Well, it's manifested in so many different ways. Look, at, look around, look at us. Not everybody is called to preach. Not everybody is called to come and sing. Not everybody is called to, to, to be a teacher or to be an architect or to be a doctor. I am so thankful that I don't have Dr. Nathan's job. And you are too. That would be bad news. Bad news. But God has called Dr. Nathan with the wisdom and the ability that he has to do the things that he needs to do. To have the mind and the hands and the eyes to be able to operate. God has called you in your situation 
to follow him right where he has you. And he may call you out of that. He may call you to something new in a new way. But that calling is always the same. The calling is to follow him. It may manifest itself in different ways, but that calling is always the same. So whether I'm preaching or whether I'm in my home or whether I'm coaching at Firestone, the calling is always the same. It's a follower of Jesus Christ to live and to walk in a manner worthy of that calling so that all may see who Jesus is. And I can't do that unless I have that power with inside of me. And you know what? Each of you, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you place your trust in Jesus, you have that power inside of you. So we each have a calling. Paul talks about this calling actually in chapter 3, verse 7. And just earlier, he says, Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace. See, Paul was called to be a minister of God's grace. He was called to share the gospel with those. He traveled around the world sharing the gospel. That's what God called him to do, to both to the Jews and to the Gentile. What has God called you to do? What gifts and abilities have he, has he given you that you need to be reminded of this morning? It's not about being the best engineer. It's not about being the best student. It's about following the calling of the Lord. It's about following and trusting Jesus and his ability to work through you, that you can stay the course. How do we do this? I'm glad you asked that question. Paul tells us how we do this. He says in verse 2, he gives us a list. How do we walk in a manner worthy of the calling which we have been called? He lists this, humility. It takes humility. When you get in a situation and a circumstance, whether it's at your job or work or family, maybe it's in a service opportunity, maybe it's a church Whatever responsibility that you have, do you ever get this, to this place where you're like, yeah, I already know how to do that? Or let me tell you how to do that. Pride is a killer of being able to walk faithfully in order to stay the course. Pride kills that ability. That's why I think Paul starts with that here. Humility in the list. You want to walk worthy? You want to stay the course Walk with humility because humility says, I can't do it unless the power of God is in me. Second, he says, gentleness. Gentleness. I'm not always good at this. Having a couple girls helps, definitely. I grew up with brothers, and my mom is super tough. She's all woman, but man, she is super tough. There were things that I didn't know until I got married. And I'm glad I didn't know them as a kid, but I learned about women. And man, it's, I'm so glad I'm a man. But I was rough. I was rugged. And part of having girls, God helped teach me gentleness. We need gentleness as we go about the walk. Jesus had gentleness, didn't he? As he dealt with different people in their situations, their circumstances. It's one attribute that continued to, to be displayed. Next was Paul lists with patience. 
Any of you who have had children or have children now, you know how difficult it is. And at times, patience is so key. I've always said if you want to realize how selfish you are, get married. And then you want to realize how selfish you still are, have children. It's difficult, but it's the avenue where God continues to teach us and to train us and to show us our need for the power that lives inside of us. And so we stay the course, not because our kids are really good or our kids are bad or in that moment I lose, I lose my mind. We stay the course because God has called us to this, something great and excellent, and he's given us the tools in order to do that. And we do that with humility, recognizing that we can't do it without him and that we do mess up and that we do make mistakes. And we ask him for that gentleness that we would be, that we would show this softness, not a softness in weakness, but a softness in tenderness and care and loving and nurturing. And then a patience, a patience that says, I'm going to put you above me. I'm going to place your needs above my needs. I'm going to take the time that's needed. I'm going to share this story. I hope Andrew and Susan, you're okay with it. I didn't have time to ask permission. You're like looking at each other. It's just with their daughter, Leah, this morning. Leah wanted to tell me a story of how she fell yesterday in the middle of singing. And so I could be like, I tried to steer her a little bit like, hey, we get to worship God. And she's like, how can God hear us? I'm like, that's a great question, Leah. He just does because he can see it all and he can hear it all. He can see it all. He can see through buildings. I said, yes. And through apartments? I'm like, yes. Well, how does God hear us? This great theological discussion is happening over here. And then she says, can, do you see these, these marks on my face? I fell. I fell on the playground. And so I'm listening to her all the meantime saying, man, I just want to sing. I just want to worship, if I'm being honest. And, and all that needed to happen was Leah just needed an ear. She needed somebody to have patience. Now, I will say it's easier to do that with other people's children than your own. And I'm thankful my children are older, and they do an excellent job. I'm very proud of my kids. I'm very proud of Leah. I use children in that instance, but sometimes it's not children. I know, I, I know I rub my wife, my poor wife, I'm sure she has to use a lot of patience with me. If you're in a marriage, it takes patience. If you're in a workplace, it takes patience. If you're at school, it takes patience. If you're retired... Let me tell you, it takes a lot of patience because you start getting set in your way and then God messes it all up when he brings these people along your path and you got a routine and you like your house clean and you like these things and it all changes. See, there's never a time that as we go about our course and our walk where we don't need these qualities that Paul has listed here for us. You may think to yourself, oh, it'll get better when this happens or when this stage of life takes place. It's going to be so much easier. I'll give God all my time and all the glory. No, God wants you to stay the course right where he has you. He wants you to walk faithfully. Walk a called 
according to the call that you have been called to. He finishes it with this, bearing with one another in love. And he says, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. It takes joy. It takes enthusiasm. You could try to work yourself up. I, 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 again, I think so many of us are so inner focused on ourselves and our own situations that we lose sight of what God has given us. We lose sight of the joy and the enthusiasm that comes along with reading his word, of gathering and worshiping and fellowshipping together, that we get to be together. Instead, it's like, oh, I got to see that person again, or I don't want to go today because this person might say this, or I don't have time to read my Bible. We look at it as a chore. Paul describes himself as a prisoner for Jesus. Paul knew inwardly. He tried to live that out. Ultimately, I think this list, humility, gentleness, patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity in the spirit, that's a list of what servant leadership looks like. So you want to be a leader? And I'm not saying you are up front and, and, and in front of everybody or that God wants you to lead it wherever you're at up front. Servant leadership should be all of us. Where God calls us to, to lead in a way worthy of the calling. It's described here for us. I loved what Andrew read for us earlier. The verse, Corinthians ultimately sharing with us that we have been given everything that we need in order to live out our lives. The question is, have you tapped into it? Are you trying to live life your way? Because let me tell you, you can live life your way. You can try to do it your way. It won't last for very long for very good. Sin is sweet for a season. But the Bible tells us in the book of Proverbs that it leads to destruction. So while it may seem like everything's going well, it leads to destruction, to hurt, to brokenness. Well, do you feel like you have quit? Maybe you're in the midst of quitting, giving up. Maybe you've gotten lost along the way. I know there's people who have had that experience. I never had that when I was in a race, mainly because I was always behind somebody. Sometimes we get lost in life. And God welcomes you back today to show you the course that he has for you. Maybe you went the wrong way purposefully. Maybe you're just slowing down purposefully. You're saying to the Lord, I can't do this anymore. Yes, there are different seasons of our life, and God doesn't call us to always sprint or always run, but we need to stay active because he wants us to finish strong. So what are you choosing today? In your choice and your decisions each day, you know, you're given 24 hours of each day. You're given 24 hours, and I'm given 24 hours. Each of us, we have the same amount of time every single day. 
I love it when people say, well, you know, my boss or my teachers or my parents. Whenever we start off a conversation like that, it usually dictates like you don't have authority over that time. And some of you don't. My children don't have ultimate authority over all of their time. Rightfully so. Or it could be YouTube galore in our house. What are you choosing to do, though? Let me encourage you that as we stay the course, there is what is called compounding influence. Compounding influence is not just one day, but it's a series of actions and decisions day after day after day after day after day. And over a large period of time, the impact is felt. That's why we stay the course. That's why we stay faithful. Some people have asked, like, what's the most meaningful sermon you've ever heard? And there's a quote out there about a pastor who has, uh, you know, been asked that. And I don't know what my most meaningful sermon was. I remember my first one here. It was really short, and all the older ladies loved it because they went to lunch early. What I do know that over a series of 20, of being here 22 years, that hopefully there's that compounding influence that over a series of time, people have been fed the word of God. It's not just like this one big party of buffet where we say, hey, today we're going to spread. We got all the spread. And all the other weeks we're like, well, we got to go on a diet. So we got bread and water today. No, every week, okay, here's our next meal. This is where we're going next. You have that in your life as you're walking faithfully. Sometimes we lose sight and we forget about the influence that God has given us. And so don't quit. Don't give up. Don't stop living for what God has called you to do. Don't stop living for him. There's this um, idea that's pretty cool about having a one degree difference. You know that at 211 degrees, water is warm. But at 212 degrees, water begins to boil. And you know what happens when water begins to boil? It becomes what? Steam. You know what used to drive those big, huge things that we're going to have one on stage next week? Big locomotives. One degree difference. Sometimes we lose sight that that one degree, it does make a difference in our life. That little bit of time with God, yes, it makes a difference. You say, Pastor, I don't have a whole lot of time. That's where I've challenged you to take the first 15, 20 minutes of your day and spend with God. It will change your life. And it's not just one day. It's over a period of time. And before you know it, you won't know maybe when you went from 211 degrees to 212. But at some period of time, God will have made a difference in your life because you've met with him. Because he is your most important relationship and the most important thing of your life. That all of a sudden you take a step back and you're like, wow, I could never have dreamed that my life would look like this. That God would use me like this. You know what that sounds like? 
Let me read it for you. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. <gasps> ding, 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 ding. It's all the little things. We're going to watch, you may watch the Olympics over the next, the course of the next few months. And some of the difference between first and second are just a fraction of a second. Just minute. And that's a reminder as we look at what Paul is saying to walk in a manner worthy of the calling. All those little decisions that you make matter. And how you handle them and how you walk through them. That doesn't mean we're going to be perfect. We pursue holiness because God is holy. We don't pursue earthliness. We don't pursue our own way. We pursue holiness, which means to be distinct, means to be set apart. We're not supposed to look like the world. So if you're trying to look like the world, stop it. You're missing the point. Jesus was different than the rest of the world. He calls us to live lives differently than the rest of the world. But as we live our lives, we continue to have that influence, that impact, knowing that each decision that we make makes a difference. Knowing also, too, though, that in that pursuit of holiness, we are going to fail and we're going to mess up and we're going to make mistakes. But don't stop. Stay the course. Our influence has impact. Paul says, I'm a prisoner for Christ Jesus. I just finished a book and encourage you if you want to read it. It's a great resource. Um, I listen to a coaching podcast when I run sometimes, a Christian coaching podcast. And uh, it's called Stay the Course by Justin Brown. And he walks through uh, several different people. Um, trying to see here how many. Sixteen different people. Some you would know. Others you would say, who is he or who is she? But how they stood the the course. They stayed the course. They walked their lives and what God had called them to do in their pursuits. It's a great book and it's, it encourages me. And ultimately, as I finished it, it reminded me, and I remind you in closing this morning, that ultimately, who are you? Because that's where it begins. You have to ask yourself and your identity, who are you? If your identity is found in Christ and not what we do, then all these things that we do, they matter. Not because they, who, they are who we are. No, our identity is found in Christ. I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a child of Christ. I am his. Paul says, I am, I am bound. I'm a slave. I'm a prisoner uses some strong terms. What we do, if my identity is found in Christ, what I do is not who I am, but what I do still matters. What you do and how you live your life still matters because ultimately it reflects him. That power that lives inside of us we get to display that.
to a world that is seeking and lost. Their identity is from here to here to here. Boom, boom, boom. They're trying to find it. We get to walk in a way that displays our identity. Jesus Christ. Let's ask God to help us. Would you pray with me? Lord, help us to stay the course. We're thankful for those who have gone before us, who have been faithful, who have stayed the course, and we know others who, who tripped, who fell. Maybe even some who pulled out of the race. Lord, I don't think any of us want to be labeled as quitters. Yet, if we're all honest, there's times when we feel overwhelmed. The burden is unbearable, we feel. Lord, sometimes you bring us to that breaking point to help us to realize we cannot do it without you. Thank you for your grace in that moment. That you're that gracious and loving and kind that you help us to see that we're not meant to live this life on our own. Or by our own thoughts, our own ideas, our own ways. Thank you for the grace and the mercy that you show to us each day. It's not that we have to be perfect. It's the opportunity that we have each day to follow a perfect God who still loves us, who still desires to pour in us and through us. So help us, Lord. Help us to keep our eyes fixed upon Jesus that we would be able to say that the one who lives inside of us, the power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that lives in us and that we have the privilege of representing you, of allowing your light to shine through us. So our identity is not what we do. Our identity is not what we say or how we act. Our identity is because of what Jesus Christ has already done for us. Our identity is that we are children of God because you loved us and because you sent your son for us. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone here who has not yet trusted Jesus as their savior, that today they would trust Christ to forgive them of their sin to be their Savior and their Lord, to follow after you, to know that you have a plan for their life and something wonderful, glorious, and great. As followers of Jesus, Lord, help us to stay this course this day. Help us to be faithful with what you've called us to do. I pray that we would have men who would be the kind of men that you want us to be. The kind of husbands that would step up and be the husbands that you desire for us to be. The kind of fathers. That we would have women 
We'd want to be the kind of women you want them to be. To be the wife, to be the mother. Lord, that we would have students that would desire to be the students that you would have them to be, to be the young people that you would have them to be. Lord, that we would be faithful in whatever ways that you've called us to live life, that we would be faithful in displaying the attributes that Paul lists, that we would be humble, that we would be gentle, that we would have patience, that we would bear with one another in love. All the while, we would be eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. We can't do that without you, Lord. We need your help desperately. And so I pray that as we leave here, that you would work in us. That you would show us the ways and the areas that need refinement. But also that your spirit would encourage us to know that we're not in this course alone. But yet we can stay faithful. We love you, Lord. We pray this in the name of Jesus.